Hello and welcome to Players Anatomy. I am your host, Charlie DeClean. Getting hurt hurts, and for high-level athletes, there's a lot on the line when injury strikes. Players Anatomy offers a closer look at the type of injuries that affect collegiate and pro athletes, offering analysis and perspective that give dedicated fans a leg up on water-cool injury talk. As guardians of privacy, we never discuss a specific player's treatment, but we can tell you what's what in the headlines in the sports injury world. Again, my name is Charlie DeClean. I'm a physical therapist at Bell & Health Titletown Sports Medicine Orthopedics. We are located a stone's throw away from the iconic Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. My hope is each episode I'll offer my take on the injury news of the day, a few fun or surprising facts you can share with your buddies, and best of all, some expert analysis from our nationally renowned sports medicine physicians. These guys are true career savers, and they've treated the best of the best from the NBA, NHL, NFL, and more. We are also fortunate to have them right here in the heart of Titletown. So stretch out, warm up, and get ready. This is Players Anatomy. News of the day. So first and foremost, when we created this, um, the idea was obviously we'd be seeing what's going on in the the world of sports each day. And honestly, COVID continues to dominate uh, the the world of sports as we are um, recording this. So quite honestly, the main thing I want to talk today is really as you see players come back that have tested positive, and maybe it wasn't as simple as testing positive and 10 days later they're playing again. For those players that you are seeing that are spending some time on the COVID reserve list, and this is really all sports, not just the NFL, don't be surprised if you see some players really struggle to come back. One of the main things we're seeing from athletes is this struggle with fatigue. Um, it's not really so much the body aches, the fever that is long-term bothering them. It's the it's the fatigue, and we're seeing that time and time again across every sport. I know most recently uh, I saw an interview um, with Lamar Jackson, and he was talking about how he slept for 10 days straight, and he re- really attributed some of the cramping he was having in his most recent game uh, due to trying to battle back from all the fatigue he had from COVID. So uh, that will be continue to be seen. Um, but if you have further questions about that, please uh, hit us up on any of our social media handles. We'd love to answer any questions you have. Our interview for today, I'm very excited about it. Uh, this is our first formal episode uh, with an interview, and it is going to be Dr. Bob Anderson. So if you don't know, uh, he is one of the superstars we have here right at Bell & Titletown. He is nationally renowned for foot and ankle. Uh, he is an assistant team physician. Or I'm sorry, he was an assistant team physician for the Carolina Panthers until 2017. He is now a team physician for the Green Bay Packers alongside Dr. Pat McKenzie and Dr. Jim Eben. And in his spare time, he also is the co-chair for the NFL's musculoskeletal committee, overseeing injuries and research for the entire league. Since joining the team here at Bell and Titletown, he's treated more than 300 VIPs, performing over 150, 150 surgeries of pro athletes from literally every single major American sport and a lot more. So um, what did we talk about? Uh, Achilles repairs. So for those of you that um, have very limited understanding of what it means to pull or tear your Achilles, Bob does a great job of really getting into this. And I hope you enjoy the interview. So here is Dr. Bob Anderson. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Troy. Nice to be here. 
So today's podcast is about Achilles tendon injuries. In the past year, we've seen, name, seen names from the NFL, such as Eric Berry from the Chiefs, Des Bryant from now the Saints uh, have both court tore their Achilles. In the NBA, we've seen DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, and then even not too long ago, Kobe Bryant. And for those Packers fans listening, it wasn't too long ago in 2017 that uh, Quentin Rollins, who was a second round pick, had tore his Achilles. So do you feel there's been an increased incidence of Achilles tears over the past five, five years? I'm not sure it's increasing, but it's certainly a steady. I've got access to our NFL database, and I can tell you from that uh, perspective that we're certainly not seeing a decrease. It's a pretty steady number of Achilles tendon ruptures that occur on a yearly basis. What I can tell you we are seeing is more younger people, younger athletes getting Achilles tendon ruptures. We used to say that the Achilles tendon rupture was a weekend warrior type of injury where guys in their 30s and 40s going out and playing tennis or basketball could suddenly rupture their Achilles tendon. Now we're seeing kids, even even gymnasts in their 15, 16-year-old uh, age group or the young professionals at age 21, 22 sustaining Achilles tendon ruptures. And so why it's happening, again, good question, whether it's overuse, deconditioning, dehydration, there's so many possibilities for it. But we certainly are seeing a steady number of Achilles tendon ruptures and now moving in the direction of even the younger athlete. Yeah. So, and one of the reasons we really wanted to do this podcast and get it started was really trying to help people understand more complex injuries in easier to understand terms. So can you kind of talk us through what is actually happening when somebody tears their Achilles tendon? So Achilles tendon is, think of it as a, a leader, so to say. It's like a fishing line that connects your muscle, your your gastroc muscle, those muscles up behind the, the calf uh, that make the definition of your calf. It's that tendon that goes from the muscle down to the heel bone. And it's a very, very strong muscle tendon unit. It's the one that allows you to push off. It allows you to explode. allows you to jump. So when you push down on your foot, that's the action of the Achilles tendon. And that Achilles tendon basically is that connection from the muscle above to the heel below. And without that Achilles tendon, you have a difficulty pushing off, let alone going up and down stairs. So when you tear, is it always a full, complete rupture where the entire tendon's tearing or are partial tears also common? That's a great question. You know, people say, well, you had a partial tear. There's rarely ever a partial tear of the Achilles tendon. Most often, if you rupture your Achilles tendon, it's going to be a complete rupture, uh, particularly in the more active uh, individual. And they typically, 95% of the time, they occur right in the mid-substance of the Achilles tendon, roughly about two to three, four inches above the heel bone itself. So it's a pretty consistent injury. Um, it can occur, again, from very subtle maneuvers, like just suddenly just pushing off, uh, decelerating, so to say, but that Achilles tendon will fare Will, will, I'm sorry, will fail at a very typical location somewhere above the heel bone um, in the mid-substance region. So, and if you tear it, do you have to have surgery? Or is this something that you can recover from non-surgically? You certainly don't have to have surgery, but it doesn't mean you don't treat it. So, there is some movement in this country towards trying to treat the Achilles tendon non-operatively. But basically, that means going into a cast with your foot pointed down, eventually into a special boot that allows you to continue to have your foot pointed in a downward direction to keep the tendon ends together as much as possible and then doing a very intensive functional recovery program. Personally, I prefer the surgical repair. I still think the surgery gives you the best outcome, the best prognosis, uh, the best assurance that those two ends are placed back in proper position, which 
then restores the natural tension on the Achilles tendon unit and gives you the best result as far as recovery and the ability to get your explosiveness back. So again, there's certain camps in the country that are advocating some non-surgical. For me, I still think the surgical way is much more predictable and better outcome. And I would say I've been treating for 15 years and I I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen one do well non-surgically as well. Uh, When you're actually doing the repair, so they've opted for surgery, they're having surgery, they're coming to see you. What are you actually doing in surgery? So the easy answer to that is we're basically putting the two ruptured ends back together. So you got to look at Achilles tendon rupture almost like the toy, the slinky. And you got the slinky toy, and if you take a wire clipper and you cut it in the middle of that slinky, the two ends separate apart quite a bit. Same thing's true for an Achilles tendon rupture. When Achilles tendon ruptures, because the muscle above it is so powerful, it tends to retract the tendon away from the other end. So our job in surgery is to basically put those two ends together and restore the natural tension um, on that muscle and tendon unit that's going to give you the best outcome. Now, what's interesting in surgery is how we do that. And this is something that's evolved over the last many years. I was uh, a visitor in Europe uh, doing some lectures 15 years ago, and I saw some of the European doctors there managing their Achilles tendon rupture through a very small incision and utilizing a small device, a little jig, so to say, that captured the two ends and then pulled them together through a very minimal incision. Uh, We took this information and and this experience back to the United States, and I started doing the mini open repair uh, over 10 years ago. And to be honest, I have not opened up an Achilles tendon with a full incision, even on a professional athlete in the last eight years. So I think the movement now has been going towards this mini open technique, very small incision that allows us to grab the two tendon ends, bring them together with minimal um, insult, so to say, on the surrounding tissues. Yeah. And, I, I, and again, as I've treated for many, many years and before you got here, I've never seen that before, and the patients do phenomenal. I'm so used to seeing that four to six inch vertical incision on the back of the Achilles, and seeing at the first time when I saw yours with the half inch horizontal, I honestly thought I had the diagnosis wrong. Like, well, there's no way he did this Achilles repair in this small of an incision, but they've they've done wonderfully. Well, they have, and, and we've done a lot of studies. There's been several uh, articles in the literature that um, my colleagues and I have uh, produced that have shown the advantages of this mini open approach, particularly when you save the blood supply to the tendon, uh, because you're minimizing the incision, you have less risks, less complications of infection or wound problems. And it allows for a quicker rehab, to be honest. It allows for guys to get back even quicker than what they were before. And that's 100% what we've seen. I, I've been shocked to see how quickly they're ready to have the, the whole structure loaded. So fantastic. Thanks for explaining that. So what is the timeline for recovery? What is kind of the kind of milestones, the hoops that your patients have to jump through after having the surgery? Well, it really depends on who the person is, how much time and effort they want to place into the recovery program. You know, the surgery, to be honest, it's it's just us putting the tendon ends together, making sure there's no immediate complications. Typically, most patients will be in some kind of splint or boot or cast uh, without walking on it for the first four weeks. Then they'll be walking in a boot the second four weeks as they start to do some gentle motion. And by eight weeks, we get them into a shoe with a little lift that they gradually decrease in height and get them to you all in physical therapy and have them start to rehab them. We ask that they not 
push themselves. We ask that they not try to bring their ankle up past a neutral position for the first 12 weeks. After 12 weeks, we let them cut loose. We let them work aggressively with uh, physical therapy and, and rehabilitation specialists if that's their desire. Some people are not in a major hurry. Some people are in a hurry. Um, but I would say the average return to most recreational activities somewhere around the six-month mark. Obviously, have an elite athlete, they're going to require more time to get their explosiveness back to be the performer that they were before the injury occurred. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I think this gets put in the same bucket as kind of season ending. This is not something like a, a basic knee scope that you can bounce back from in four to six weeks. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yeah, I tell people it's season ending. does not have to be career ending, but it certainly is a season ending injury and recovery program. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next question. And I was doing research for this of looking at people of tour over the years. And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit offline, but it seems like 15 to 20 years ago, this was career ending. And the, the name that popped up that I remembered, I, I played basketball growing up. I was a huge Isaiah Thomas fan, and I, I don't remember him really ever being able to play again after that. If he did, it was not at a level that he was previous. What what has changed from a, whether it be surgery or is it rehab or what has really changed over in history that is now that it isn't always career ending? Well, I think I'd have to give you all credit. I think the rehabilitative process has gotten much more sophisticated. Our ability to not only get the guys back from a strength standpoint, but a functional recovery uh, perspective, I think has been revolutionized over the last many years. So I just think our whole rehab process is uh, better and and more in-depth. I do think this mini-open approach, though, I have seen it even now, not just anecdotal, but on some of our studies, I think the mini-open approach has uh, helped to get the guys back in a more consistent basis. It's still a long recovery. Um, And I do think it's also position sport dependent. Um, As you and I were mentioning, basketball is a very difficult sport to get back from after Achilles tendon rupture and repair. The problem is it's a vertical sport. People are going upwards. They're requiring a tremendous amount of plantar flexion strength and explosiveness to lift their body off the ground, to be able to redevelop that jump shot, to have the ability to, to dunk the ball or rebound. Whereas football and some of our field sports are more horizontal in nature. So guys don't require the same upward lift uh, that they uh, need out of their Achilles uh, in a, a sport like football. So we tend to see the football guys get back quicker, usually say football six to nine months on an average versus ba- basketball can be well over 12, even 14 months before somebody's ready to go. And you and I are also talking about the common thing we see in sports in general is kind of the risks people take of trying to come back too quickly. And I realize in professional sports, a lot of money's on the line. You want to earn that next contract. But you were kind of mentioning before we got on air here, some of the basketball guys, even most re- recently, that it's not uncommon after Achilles, you'll see kind of a compensatory injury after the fact. That's certainly true. You have to be very careful on how quickly somebody does come back because if their Achilles unit is still weak, they'll tend to put more pressure on other body parts and they can develop compensatory injuries. So that's why it's so important, particularly with the elite athlete, that we have the ability to test them um, and not only their ability just to walk on their toes or heels or, you know, be able to, you know, jump a little bit. They have to pass functional uh, recovery milestones and uh, really should do so before they get back into the plane venue just because we don't want to have disastrous compensatory injuries occur. 
Yeah, the other kind of hot button topic that that seems to come in. I know I recently had um, one of my cousins give me a call. One of her, one of his kids' friends tore their ACL, and he's like, "What? What can I do to prevent it?" And this one, this prevention phenomenon is starting to take off more and more. That people, quite frankly, are starting to care about it. It used to be more just rehab and performance, and now there's this kind of this middle ground prevention. Do you feel there is anything people can actually do to prevent an Achilles tendon? There are some simple things. I mean, we tend to see a lot of Achilles tendon ruptures when a sport first starts its season. So if you look at the NFL, about 80 to 90% of all Achilles tendon ruptures occur in preseason. Um, if you look at like uh, basketball, we saw a large number of Achilles tendon ruptures occur after the end of the holdout that occurred several years ago. So when you think about that, you go, why are they occurring early on? Well, it's probably because the guys are deconditioned. Um, you know, in football, again, guys go and they have their, their mini camps and then they take six weeks off. Then they come back. Probably at that point, they haven't been working out as hard. They're deconditioned. Suddenly, you're putting a lot of stress and strain on that uh, Achilles tendon unit and it can fail. And so certainly we'd recommend to everybody that, you know, keep in good shape. Make sure you stretch uh, before you do any athletic activity. The other thing is we tend to see more Achilles tendon ruptures in warmer, more humid or hot environments. And we think some of uh, some of our tendon failures, whether it's Achilles tendon or other other ligament tendon issues may be due to dehydration. So it's very, very important to keep hydrated as well if you're uh, uh, involved in, in one of these uh, sport activities in a uh, warm environment. So again, things that you might want to consider in that regard. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. Um, I've been part of a present for two Achilles tears. And in both situations, um, it was interesting to see how textbook, how I was taught you know, what people will complain of is one guy I was playing, it was back when I was playing rec basketball and he turns around and he asked me if, if I kicked him. So did you, did you kick me? I said, no, I, I wasn't even near you. What are you talking about? And it's always amazing to me that a tendon that you would think a tendon rupturing would be extremely painful. Yet I remember back to when Kobe Bryant in his post game conference or news conference was kind of bad mouthing the guy that was guarding him of like I, I can't believe he kicked me and then you go back and watch a video it's like no one was within three feet of him why do you think it is that the Achilles tear itself is actually not always consistently painful but more of that someone hit me someone kicked me kind of complaint yeah you're absolutely right I mean the the, the typical response is somebody threw a ball at the back of my calf or yeah. you know somebody kicked me so I, you're absolutely right that's a very very consistent uh, um, description uh, from a patient once they sustain Achilles tendon rupture um you know it's it's it always seems to occur too in pretty much as we said before a similar location we believe that's due to the the poor vascularity of that part of the tendon uh but they will snap and people will suddenly have this sensation but there's very little pain because there's not a lot of pain fibers around the achilles tendon itself so again most people can limp off the basketball court they can limp off the tennis court um, unfortunately about 20 percent of achilles tendon ruptures are originally missed because people just think they're a simple sprain right like an ankle sprain and they don't seek attention and then come in several weeks down the road with a obvious achilles tendon rupture it's much more difficult to manage with a late presentation yeah and, and to kind of get back a little bit to the prevention piece as well the two that i was present for were the weekend warrior you know so when people People ask me, the way I've always answered this question was, look, if you're going to play rec basketball, if you're going to go play tennis, that's you're stopping, starting, jumping, you're, you're put, placing a lot of stress. If you're only doing this once a week, 
you're not really prepping your body for what's coming, which is similar to what you're saying beginning of season. Have your workouts really been to the same level of what you're going to compete at? So the feedback I always tell people is, you know, whatever you're going to do once a week for competition, you got to find a way to get in as a workout once or twice a week. You got to get in some low-level plyos, a little bit of stop-start agility stuff. Doesn't need to be an hour and a half workout, but something where you're loading these tissues similar to how you're going to load them when you compete. Well, that's a great recommendation. And again, and adding to that, just something as simple as just stretching before you engage your activity. You'll see at the side of every basketball court, they have these slant boards, and guys are constantly on those. They want to stretch out before they get into that activity. And you can do the same at home just by hanging off of a, um, a, a stool, a, a step, a fireplace hearth, just going and just hanging off for five minutes and doing that particularly before you go engage in a basketball or tennis match. Yeah, I always, I always tell people, you know, the days of that you could just go out and just run around and play, those days are gone. You've got to actually warm up. Even if you're going to go and just play a little pickup game in the backyard with your kids, just warm up a little bit. Don't just rush to it. Bad things happen when you're not warmed up. So, well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. This was extremely insightful. And uh, anything else you want to add? Nope. Sounds good, Charlie. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thanks again for your time. hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Bob Anderson. He is absolutely fascinating to talk to, and he is truly as nice in person as he sounded on that interview. I just wanted to highlight a few things that he mentioned just to bring it back. You know, the list of athletes is rather outdated. Honestly, we completed this interview prior to COVID, and sadly, just like Bob mentioned with deconditioning and preseason, this was definitely our biggest worry during COVID was the amount of injuries we're going to see with athletes not being able to train normally. And Bob was right. We, we are sadly seeing more and more names being added to that list. I do think it's funny how much Bob downplays uh, the mini open. Um, it is truly the, the gold standard for Achilles repairs, and he makes it sound like just anybody's doing it. And quite frankly, if you go and research, not that many physicians are doing it. And it is the gold standard. He is he's extremely talented. And also just to touch on the idea of the prevention and the deconditioning, because again, COVID has really put a damper on this. And sadly, what we were worried about seeing is happening with more and more injuries. Well, we're nearing the end of our first episode of Players Anatomy. Thank you for listening. And I hope you indulge me a few seconds for some uh, business uh, we need to wrap up. If you'd like to hear us again, please hit subscribe. We are now on every platform that you listen to podcasts on. So please, please, please subscribe and tell a friend. Um, Next time, we'll be coming back. We're going to do a series with Dr. Anderson. We have a great discussion. The next one will be on Jones Fracture, an interview we did with him that is fantastic. That term gets thrown around, and quite frankly, no one really knows what it means. Bob does a great job of explaining what that is. And also, please take a second, reach out on any of our social media platforms, search Bell & Health Title Town, subscribe, leave comments, leave questions, anything you have uh, that you'd like to know, please let us know. We'd, We'd love to answer questions that you have. Last part we're going to try in our in our format is what we call Charlie's Cut. So really, it's really just a, a thing for me to kind of go on a small rant or rave uh, at the end of just small tidbit of information. Today, I just want to talk about and please ask you if you are on social media and you are trying to act like an orthopedic surgeon and act like what you know about with these injuries, you don't. And, and please don't, 
you know, at right at players and reach out to them, ask them why they're doing this or that. You know, honestly, let get your information from experts and get your information from good places online. There's some physicians that do a great job on Twitter of explaining different injuries. Otherwise, use platforms like ours to ask questions and we can get you the information correctly. Um, I know it seems surprising, but your grandma doesn't know everything about the injuries that she's posting about on social media. Well, that's it for episode one. I am Charlie DeClean, and until next time, thank you and goodbye. 